Now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. Alrighty, everyone, we are here for uh, the Whitfield Report. This episode uh, is the Tuesday edition of the show, and I want to thank you for uh, tuning in live whenever you're listening to this in the past, present, future hour. Uh, I am your host, Sam Whitfield, um, here in sunny South Florida, and I am joined today by my, uh, by my... Uh, not so secret government man that I've referenced on the show before. Um, in a, in all actuality, my guest today is Mr. Luke Nicholas, and uh, I just want to uh, you know brag on him. I've known he's my he's literally my brother from another mother. I've known him. Sure. sure. We've known each other for what twenty one. Years oh, just man. about. Yeah, yeah, we met in kindergarten, so it's been yeah. a long time. So, our friendship essentially is old is older than some of the audience members of this show, which is pretty what, amazing. What's your What's your target market here? What are we What are you looking for in an audience like, member? Well, we have we have audience members like ranging from like eighteen to you know, to like mid sixties even. It's oh yeah. Pretty... yeah. I've met some of them. I was, it's... I was in that discord chat with you last time I was in Florida. And yeah. That was you a met, good time. Yeah. You met apex, you met sauce and you met. Scorpio. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Met... Scorpio was good with his wife too. I think he yeah. had his wife on the line. That was, you... that was fun. You made all of the zany, wacky internet characters I had. Love it. With, but, Love it, yes. But you're one of the zaniest creatures that I've hung out with, like, in real life. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have my moments. It's hard for me to believe that we've known each other for that long, um, sir. But, you know, I, I don't want to just speak for you, so, uh, you know, just briefly, you know, if you'd like, just share a little bit of background. Who... Yeah. Who are you, and why should the audience care that you know you're on here? Other than the fact that you're my best friend, and you're stuck. You chose to listen to this podcast, guys. So you're locked in. You're locked in. Yeah. So. so um, yeah, yeah. I can totally share. I'm happy to. Um, first off, thanks for having me on the show, Sam. I know it's been a while. My my last time on your one of your shows was um, I like to call it Whitfield Nation. I know that's I know we're on the Whitfield Report, but Whitfield Nation was great. And anything to do with your you know radio life, it's like you're in Whitfield Nation. You know, so right. I, I have my green card. I have my you know my visa. I'm visiting the Whitfield Nation. You know, and I get the pleasure and the honor to speak with the president of Whitfield Nation. So it's good oh, to well, be here with you. 
Well, you're a na- you're a natural. As far as I'm concerned, you're like a natural born citizen. Oh, People good. Do. Okay, yeah, yeah. What you do they were, call you... it in in Germany? It's uh... a neutral. So Germany has like it's like "Jus sanguinis," which is Latin for like by blood. You know, instead of a naturalization process, they have. I think it's called "Jus sanguinis." Like J-U-S sanguinis, however you spell that. And it's like, you have to prove by blood that you are a German person. You know, whether that be birth certificates of your... I think it's one or two generations back, you know. And the rest of them are just... I don't even think they have naturalization. So you're saying I am by blood a a Whitfieldian? Yeah, well, I mean... I would agree with that. Yeah. in all in all seriousness, you know, for for I mean, Luke's not kidding. We we've known each other since we've known each other since kindergarten, and I mean, we we were we were inseparable for a number of years, and then we mm-hmm. kind of went, you know, in into different social groups, somewhat in high school, like people normally do. But then we found each other, you know, yeah. again, like after after graduating high school and reconnected and. Um, you know, it's funny because, like, I, I don't want to dive too much in here, but, like, you know, you're, you're a political guy. Like, that's actually what you do for a living. Yeah. Everyone, everyone thought I would be, be like, a political science major. Um, I chose, you know, communications instead. Uh, and instead, you're, like, the political guy, um, which... Well, you know, we've always, we've both had, I think, an inclination in that direction, you know, a propensity to, you know, the art of, you know, governance and that, I mean, Sam, like, when we, and this is for the audience here, um, when Sam and I were kids, and Sam, you're still a pretty darn classy dresser. I mean, I, I have to be suited and booted, too, you know. Uh, which is, I love it. You know, I think that's a great thing. But anyway, kindergarten through third grade, I was literally suit and tie every day to school. You know what I'm saying? Like carrying around a briefcase full of cardboard money, thinking I was, you know, some hot shit or whatever. Excuse my language if there's any. No, no, you can. Sorry, kids. Yeah, you can can say whatever. We, we, Okay, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, and and you were right on that train with me. I mean, we had a lot of fun, um, you know, as as young lads back in the day. And we still do, as young lads. I would consider us young lads, you know. I, I yeah. Would, yeah. I mean, I, I, know that, I know that the Zoomers are, you know, like the generation after us. The, the, the Zoomers like... is what they're called now. Yeah, the, the, yeah, that that well that well that's what they call themselves. I'm not yeah, generation sure. Generation Z, Generation Z. Yeah. Yeah, I Gen mean, I, I, listen, I I know that they think that we're all a bunch of old fucks now, but uh, you oh, know. Oh gosh, you should hear our interns. They're like, I don't even know what no cap and capping means and a cool Chad. I, I don't even know this stuff. 
And I'm like, oh, did you give that tour yesterday? He was like, yeah, I'm not capping. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know what that means. Did you give the tour or did you not give the tour? You know, it's the, like, my the, gosh. The, the, thing, the thing that's funny is, like, I, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm in college, so I'm like, I'm a little older. So, like, the one thing that always amuses me is when I hear kids say that, like, Oh man, that you know that meal really slapped her, you know, or like oh the slapping, yes, the slapping, that, that, the, yeah, yeah, that, that's a big one. That uh, you know that that song that really slaps, and I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, they're like, you know that that song is fire, and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? They're like, so here's what I wonder: you've been on YouTube for a long time, or what, wherever you post your your, yeah, you, your stuff, YouTube, which, Spotify, YouTube, yeah, you're all over the place. I wonder if, in particular, the YouTube algorithm, because it, it, it reads transcripts, right? That's how they pick up on the you know somebody saying something, yeah, or whatever. Um, so I wonder if you use more of the Gen Z words that they'll start to, I mean, I don't know how you manipulate the algorithm, but I know there are YouTubers who do that in order to get, you know, a follower and, and get followers and get up in the ranks of, you know, a search or whatever. Yeah. Um, so maybe we I should mean, just like in the middle of conversation say, oh, no cap, just out of random and see if it, if it jogs the algorithm and gets you some more, you know, search clickbait whatever i don't even know yeah yeah i mean i you know i think the thing that would help me the most is if i like had a is if i had like a a well-endowed you know young lady on here like playing well, video well, games yeah, right yeah. you know right right beside me and you know if she were if she were playing like call of duty or uh you know whatever live streaming I call mean, of duty in a in like yeah, a little with, corner with, screen yeah that yeah would, you know that make it happen You'd be able to say um, anything to anybody, and they'd be like, "Yes, yes, I agree. That is a great point." Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also, boobs. no scope. Oh, oh, oh yes, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just like we're, we're not we're not the old, you know, like like when we were when we were kids, like watching someone play video games was not a thing yet. You know, like. Like uh, now, I mean, like we did, but it was, it was just like on at home on the yeah. couch watching your buddy play, so that you could get the next turn after he got shot in Goldeneye or whatever. Right? Yeah. You know? And 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 now, like so much fun. Great. And now I like, keep yeah. Go yeah oh, yeah Goldeneye like old school Goldeneye uh, oh. kids oh, was yeah. yeah. That was like the creme de la creme. Still is. Yep, Still holds yep, up yep, well yep. after concurred. You know, concurred. A hundred years. So anyway, what were you saying nowadays? I mean now. I mean nowadays, and this is something that my mom and I actually talked about. Like, you know, like there are kids who like make entire like there are kids who have made entire careers out of oh, like, yeah. being yeah. professional professional video gamers. And in fact, I, like, my cousin, I was at Thanksgiving last year. And he's always kind of been this, like, demure, like, oh, I'm going through puberty, don't talk to me, you know. And I always oh, make a thing oh, yeah, of, like, was, hey, he... Henry, what's 
what's going on in your world? You know, can I, can I just like, what's up, dude? Are you yeah. alive? You know, like I, I'm a man. I've been through that shit. I know that. Anyway, but he is a fierce gamer. I mean, fierce. That is like he lives and breathes. And I'm like, well, are you making any money yet? He's like, no, no, but I'm in some competitions. And I'm like, well, best good, good on you, man. Best of luck. I think that's great. If you can make money, you know. Well, I mean, I mean, my thing. my stepdad's my my stepdad has like a has like a niece whose son is like a professional gamer. Like he like he actually competes like competitively. Oh yeah, that's serious. And like, uh, it, like I don't know what game he plays, but like he plays one of those games, and like he's he's like he's like a he's like a world champion. I I think I think it's like Call of Duty or something. Like he's like a oh world yeah, they have all kinds of stuff. I mean, like we're on the surface level of this entire culture and industry. You know, I mean, there's yeah so many different games that people are playing and interested in watching. I cannot name most of them, but I know there's really what in my opinion would be a totally niche game i've never heard of it right but it has you know two three million people tracking champions and watching live streams you know um anyway and it and it's a job which is crazy to me too because like yeah for me like yeah for me, like I just play video games for like you know on like a Friday when I when I just want to relax and like turn my brain on. Right, like, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you can do what you love and make half a million dollars a year doing that, rock on. You know? Well, I, I mean, mean, that's like a good deal. Well, I mean, like that's my goal with this thing. Yeah, and, yeah, totally. You know, and but I mean, hey, if if you can make money gaming too, you know, good good on good on you but uh mm. you know anyway not to get too sidetracked on, no no on but that, very interesting but, uh, yeah yeah that's a whole market that i don't really know very much about i mean and i i'm you know we're i guess we're both still learning about about you know gamer culture and whatnot um, yeah i mean you know the there is this i'm sure you're aware of this but it's like a twitter account or a Wall Street bets thing where they track Nancy Pelosi's stock trades. Uh, oh yeah, well, well, well I, so you know, one one disclaimer I want to put out there for okay. the, for the yeah. folks, um, and I'm sure you'll you'll appreciate this is Luke is speaking, uh, you know, as his own entity. These are his opinions, and these are my opinions that I'm. Showing to these are not necessarily reflective of, you know, his employers or of mine. Even though you know, for right now, I'm kind of self-employed. But you know, um, you know, we're just having a we're just having a com a casual conversation, and you know, these remarks do not reflect his employers or the U.S. government. You know, for that matter. Yeah, um, I mean, I am one of the people, so you know, I have. You know, uh, some some credence there for sure. Are you are well? The the one thing that like the more conspiracy oriented members of my audience might want to remember is a uh, oh uh, this must be Sam, this must be Sam's connection to the deep state. Oh my right? gosh! Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I go to this anyway, great pizza shop in North DC like three times a week. 
Oh, oh, oh yeah. Now, now you're gonna get the tinfoil oh, hat no. crowd. Oh, no. Crowd going, going. On. And what, what? What is it? What does he mean by pizza? Um, no. Honestly, honestly, I haven't found a good pizza joint since uh, Anthony's Pizza in, in Denver, though. Oh, it's, Anthony's it's... is rocking, man, for sure. Yeah, that's a great, great spot. It's, I mean, I'm uh, the kind of guy yeah. who likes a nice, greasy, dripping grease slice of pizza. And many people think it's, you know, total sacrilege, but I am a ranch guy. I used to not be a ranch guy. I'm a ranch guy now. See, I see. I recently found a good wing place here in Florida, and oh. I used to not be a blue cheese fan, but I love blue oh, cheese now. Oh, yeah, the blue cheese. You gotta hop on that train for sure. Yeah. Uh oh, yeah. did Absolutely. your internet freeze? You know, there's we we went to that Celtic Ray together down in uh, what was it, Naples? Oh gosh, it's my show now. Uh, Sam is frozen. That's great. Yes, victory is mine. Sam, are you there? So he lives pretty near an airport, and oftentimes, you know, it's just not the best of service there. So a plane will fly over, or whatever. We did have this thing the other day in D.C. where the Nats were playing at you know, the Nationals field, which is in a place called Navy Yard, which is like south of the hill of the, you know, the mall goes, the mall goes like this. And south of the mall is the Potomac River. And then down there is Navy Yard. And that's where the Nationals field is. So there's a small, it's not a, like a prop. I know it was a prop aircraft. It's a prop aircraft. It's like a skydiving aircraft that's circling around the city. And I'm leaving work. It's like, you know, six o'clock in the evening on Friday. And all of a sudden, all the security is bristling like a porcupine. They're yelling at people, get out of the buildings, get out of the buildings. There's an aircraft flying around, get out of the buildings. We're all like, what the, what is going on? You know, so we vacate the area and lo and behold, it was U.S. Army paratroopers, the golden, the golden knights or something like that who were jumping into Nat Stadium and had contacted the FAA and had told them, hey, we're flying in the most restricted airspace in the world and we're dropping some parachuters into the field. And for some reason, they just did not contact the Capitol Police, which was a mistake. But you live and you learn, I guess. Um, Welcome I back, apologize. Yeah, I just took over oh, yeah. the show. You're now on the uh, the Luke Report. Welcome. We're glad to have everybody. I, this is my guest, Sam. I, Sam and I, I go I, way I, back. I, I appreciate you filling in, in for me. Um, so, yeah, what I was beginning to ask you a little bit about your job, and then Nancy Pelosi, like, disconnected my internet or, oh, yes. or something like that. Um, so, um, I guess, like, okay, so, you're originally from Colorado, as am I. Uh, mm-hmm, what made mm-hmm. you decide to major in, like, political science? Um, well, that's, yeah. Honestly, I knew I was bad at math, 
And I sat down and prayed and was like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, like I've had an interest in politics. It'd be kind of fun, you know, to do campaign work, you know, maybe run for state office, you know, later, later in life, you know, um, once all the scandal is behind me. Um, just kidding. But anyway, um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was more of like a process of elimination and um I'd done debate team in high school and really, really enjoyed it and knew that the natural progression of those, I mean, you could call them talents, I don't know what you'd call them, but uh, inclinations, I guess. I know I've used that word a few times, but it's a good word, an inclination um, to that, to the realm of politics and governance and that kind of thing. It just felt like a natural move for me. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Scotty Esserman, by the way. Totally, um, yeah. Scott Esserman was awesome, dude. Yeah. Who, who, who was my debate teacher for about a year, um, and then I remember my first speech in his class was on the um, Saddam Hussein's gassing of the Kurdish people, and. I started the speech off. He's like, make sure you have an attention grabber or a hook, you know, at the beginning of your speech. And what I did at the beginning right. of my speech was just screamed, like bloody murder screamed. And the whole class was like, what, what is this kid doing? And I'm like, that is the sound of a hundred thousand Kurds choking on sarin gas. It was, I mean, that's a very serious topic, but I was a kid right. and that was you know, my attention grabber, which is not like very artful, but whatever. I remember when he had us do improv and yeah, that was, was that. and well, I was, I was like, I was okay about it, but like, but like I, I always, my mind always went into the gutter when doing Oh, improv. That's like Michael Scott status. I mean, you know, you know. I mean, what? I mean, listen. The office was the office was like a huge show when we were. Oh, oh, when yeah. We, when yeah. We, when, yeah. We were, when we were going up to legendary, um, legendary, no doubt about it. I just watched well, that, um, <clears throat> the. Uh, so I, I got out of Lent and, you know, one of the things that I was like, you know what, I don't need this for Lent. I need to refocus. It was actually very intense Lent, which was awesome. You know, I had a group of brothers who joined me in this pretty ascetic program, which was great. It's called Exodus 90, but they have a version called Exodus Lent, which I highly recommend um, for anyone trying to like dig in, you know, Exodus 90. It's like exodus90.com. I'm not being paid by them. It's just a really good program. Anyway, I, I gave up, if you will, um, you know, watching TV or YouTube or anything like that without people. I could only do it if, like, my roommates were downstairs watching a ball game. I could watch with them, you know, but I couldn't of my own volition go and do that. So anyway, after Lent, I dug into, you know, I, I've had this, like, you know, 40 days of no TV. I'm like, oh man, yes. Like, so I watched Silent, A Silent Place Part 2. Have you seen these two movies? 
Oh, a quiet place. A quiet I, I place. Watched, yeah, a quiet place. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I watched the first one um, in a film class. Pretty good. Look. Pretty good. I thought it was excellent. Yeah. And I, I usually don't like horror films, but, it, I mean, it was done well, I think. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really seem like a horror, you know. I mean, yes, it was a little frightening at some, you know, pop-out parts, but I thought they did a great job on that. What's his name? John Kaczynski or something? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that was a good one. Really enjoyed that movie. And the second one is pretty good, too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... That's one that didn't need a sequel, but I, I, from what I hear, the sequel is actually pretty good. So yeah, it was. I I would recommend it. You know. So I think I was starting to ask you like how you got into you know what what like decided what like made you decide to like major in politics. I I remember like there were a couple there were like a couple friends that were like oh this is all Sam's fault like. He got his claws into Luke and, like, made him major into poli-sci. And I'm like, well, if it went up to me, Luke would have majored in communications just like I did. But, you know. Which could have been uh, beneficial. Yeah, there. if there's any um, group of staffers that rises really quickly on the Hill, it's the comms guys. I mean, they... You know, that that's if they know what they're doing, if they have good connections at Fox News or OANN or Newsmax or whatever, and they're able to poll on that web and get their boss on, you know, Varney or Mornings with Maria or whatever, they're going to make money and rise to leadership offices really quickly. You know, if they've got good tweets with good likes and a lot of followers, I mean, it's all metrics, you know. Um, how are we influencing our constituency to one, you know, have a full picture of what we're doing on their behalf, and two, like, how do we, you know, inform them of things that they might not know what's going on, you know, because they, the constituents, have sent this man or woman, their delegate, their congressman. Uh, congressman to the District of Columbia to fight for them and to study issues that they don't have the time or the wherewithal, you know, or the, most of them don't even have the desire to study what we're doing every day, you know. And so that's right. representative government, you know, you, you put somebody into that place to do that around the clock, to listen and to vote and to research and to go to committees and ask questions and grill the sec def and do what blah, 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 you know. Um, and so communications is all about translating the complexities of what we do in the nitty gritty of policy in a way that's understandable. And yeah, some of the Some of the real work is lost in that translation. So and, what is yeah? What ahead. is it that what is it that you do? I mean, so I I mean, essentially, I'm a I'm a policy advisor. You know, like I'm what they call legislative assistant, and I have a certain portfolio of policy areas. You know, I do 
financial services policy. I do um, healthcare, ways and means, which is essentially how are we going to pay for this? What are the ways? What are the means? You know, um, I do science, space, and technology, particularly NASA, cryptocurren or cryptocurrencies, and financial services. But those are like my main four. Oh, and healthcare. Healthcare is a huge one. Um, that's a lot of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And then I staff him on one of his committees. Um, so the onus is on me on a daily basis to like read through legislation, um, submit draft legislation that he wants to pass into law and get co-sponsors on and present on the floor of the house, um, law to try and make law. Um, and, uh, you know, do whatever I need to write speeches, write questions for him, uh, make sure he's briefed on meetings. I take a bunch of meetings all the time with, you know, different lobby groups and I'll brief him on what they want or what they're about, you know. Um, and then there's extraneous things. Like when I went to the district, we got to, you know, go to dinner with General Petraeus and, and watch him get an award and, um, see some really cool stuff that well, you don't think you're going to do, but then all of a sudden you're sitting down at the table and it's like, oh, shoot, like, what's up, man? You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's very rewarding. It's, it's very rewarding, but it's also very exhausting. I mean, it's very serious work and we, I take it seriously. There are people sure, who don't, sure. you know, and if you don't take it seriously, you should not be in the government service. If you don't think what we're do you... living in the United States, that we are sworn to defend the Constitution and to uphold its principles, you need to leave. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you lose that that belief, that hope in America, you should not be in government. Period. Period. What do you think is the biggest uh, misconception about working in politics? That we're not normal people. And we, most of us are totally normal people who are really well, just trying to do the right thing. Yeah, that's something I wanted to kind of... And the right thing, the reasons... there's a disclaimer there. You know, we're all trying to do the right thing. I know that sounds like, you know, whatever, but, you know, yeah, there are people... I've, I've gotten a beer poured on my head, you know, for telling a chick at a bar who was another staffer on the Hill that I think abortion is wrong. She literally got up and poured a beer over my head. Sam, I've told you this story. You know, I mean, that's like, what? And she thinks, honestly, she's a believer. She thinks she's doing the right thing, you know? And so do I. And that's why I'm, I'm you know, like, yeah, it's wrong, you know? So, so political fights do happen somewhat on the Hill then. Yeah, I think saying. so. But for the most part, you know, the staffers will keep it very because, you know, we're supposed to be professionals. We're not here for sure. We're not here to represent our own opinions. We are here to translate the opinions and beliefs of our constituents into law and into governance. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, have you and I mean, if, if you can answer this, that that's fine. But like, have you ever met any any like political figure that like uh, that like you had an opinion, good or bad, of before, and then once you met them, like it changed? Hmm. 
I mean, there's 435 members in the house. So a sure. lot of members, you know, you don't really know about. Like, um, one, I think, would be, well, in recent times, there was a man from Nebraska who just resigned his, his seat because of, I mean, he lied to the FBI about certain campaign finances. And he's been in office for, you know, really solid Republican, great Catholic man. I mean, I would see him at daily mass, you know, at a very high opinion of him. He sponsored uh, another staffer when she was becoming a Catholic, you know, like really solid dude. And then, you know, he spoke two lies to the FBI and his entire career is gone. It's like, what are you doing, man? What, why are you doing this? You know, one, you're a Catholic and that's just, yeah, you're going to have to go, you know, do some penance and talk to God about that one and talk to your priest about that one. But, um, you know, it just was a shame. So I guess that's not really your question. I mean, it kind of is, but it's the reverse sure. of what you were asking. I have a very high opinion that became a low opinion. Um, I mean, I've ridden the elevator with AOC. I didn't talk to her, you know, anything like that. Um, uh, Leader McCarthy's been by the office a few times. Um, it's a good guy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a tough question. Who do you think has the better wheel, wheelchair? I'm asking this because people, people, people want to see me in a drag race with Madison Cawthorn. I don't know where I would be Madison Cawthorn. Uh, you know, nor like why? Why would I want to get into a drag race with him? Either I, I don't. You know. Well, you know, I've had. I would love. You know, for us to like email Elon Musk and get you a Tesla, some kind of hovered, I don't know what they're doing, some kind of badass wheelchair, you know, and he would do it for free because it's just total philanthropic, you know. UNA, UNA, UNA Pick Scam, UNA Pick Scam both have, you know, been on me to contact uh, Elon and whatnot. Um, they're like, hey man, like. I know you're doing cool shit, space stuff, and other things, <laughs> but uh, well, now, I'd well, love you to design me a wheelchair. You know. Now he's now he's taking over, uh, you know, Twitter and whatnot too. Which, yeah, we'll uh, see how that goes. I uh, did he give a bid? Did he give uh, an offer? Supposedly, he, yeah. Suppose well, last I heard, so we're recording this on Sunday. It will mm -hmm. be released on Tuesday, probably. Okay. Um, at this point in the news cycle, you know, for the audience, uh, I've heard that Elon has, like, secured enough funds to supposedly just buy Twitter. Mm. But, you know, until it's, like, official, you know, it's not over until the flat, fat lady's seeing it. Right, yeah, yeah. And um, they're definitely trying to box him out. And there was another, I don't know if it was SoftBank, but... Another investment firm has thrown their hat in that ring. Um, gosh, what was their name? It's like, it's not KKR. I don't what's, know what it is, but they threw their hat in the ring. What's interesting to me about you is that, like, you're not on social media. No. And yet you're in 
you're in a field particularly like okay okay like obviously i'm in media right but also so i mean social media is part of my job but it could be argued that like politics is you know also like deeply you know like social like entire like political you know dumpster fires Mm -hmm. have been started because of social media totally namely january 6th Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so you know like i guess like i don't mean this to be like snide at all i'm genuinely curious like i guess how have you like survived like or not really like survived but like I guess participated in like the political scene without being like on Twitter and whatnot because like every single staffer I, I, you know I've met staffers and I've met like politicians too they're always on their phones like you know checking Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or something yeah so, that's that's a great question I mean you know you're right our modern day politics are dependent in some sense on social media outlets as, um, as almost a public forum, um, you know, a privatized public forum, if you will, we'll see how that pans out in the future. Um, but personally, you know, like I don't really want a Facebook. I don't want a Twitter. I have a burner account a fake, um, a fake, sorry, uh, Facebook account, but that's only to like go on my boss's page and like right. look at what his posts are. You know, I don't do anything on there. Yeah. So you, so you just lurk basically on, on social media then. Oh, did you say lurk? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I am a lurker. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, basically, well, yeah, for one account, well, I just look at my boss's account, that's it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's... But yeah, fair. you know, I, I just, I don't think that it's super healthy, you know, like, I get enough emails and enough text messages and, you know, am on Zoom enough to where it's like, I don't want to, I got a LinkedIn, that's all I got, you know. Yeah, people are trying to get me to, like restart my LinkedIn and I, I don't know like I'm already on so many like well you're going into the job market it might be a valuable thing to do you know yeah yeah I mean yeah that that's 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 a fair point I I um you know I've I've like I've kind of uh you know like I I've kind of gotten to the point where like the okay so the way I've always viewed social media right is it is what you make of it, right? Like, you can either... You can either use it not necessarily for, like, good or bad, but, like, just depending on, like, how you use it, it is what you make of it, to a point. Yeah, I mean, I think you can say that about, you know, the internet in general. You know, like, um, we have, you know, amazing access to, you know the grandest library ever conceived. I mean, this is like Alexandria times 10 trillion, you know, I mean, there's so much information, but you also get like the devil's workshop. I mean, you have pornography going out to kids and, you know, I mean, you have really, really diabolical things on the internet, you know? 
So it's yeah. definitely like most of man's innovations, something that is used for good and for just pernicious, pernicious evil, you know. Do you think the government, because I know that this is like a hot, uh, you know, button topic, but like, do you think the government should like regulate it further or, you know, like, or... Well, one opinion that I've heard from a Republican, um, an elected Republican, was he literally wants to butcher the whole thing. I mean, he wants to section off servers like localized servers, you know, geofence areas of, you know, like spheres of influence. There are some people, one guy who's running for the seventh district in Colorado, and this is on his campaign webpage. Um, his name is um, Tim Reichert. He wants to create a central clearinghouse where all of your data you're, you're not PII, not, you know, personally, personal identifying information, but well, maybe, maybe some of that actually, um, you know, any cookies or data that's kept on your web browsing or your maps or whatever would be located in a central clearinghouse and you would rent that data out to companies that want to use it you know, for Google Maps or for advertising or, or what have you, um, which is an interesting idea. I mean, there's some serious pitfalls there, of course, you know, which we could get into if right. you wanted, but, um, you know, who controls the clearinghouse? Is this a private sector thing? Is this a public sector thing? Like, you know, what are the regulations over that? You know, what's the security over that? What happens if that get, gets breaked into, you know? Um, so that's a couple opinions that I've heard on it in terms of regulation. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're businesses, they are regulated to a certain degree. I think you're talking about like first amendment, like, is this a right. public form or is yeah. this a private form? Is this the sidewalk or is this, are you walking into a Starbucks, you know? Right. Um, yeah, that's. That's I mean, a and, if, question. and I mean, if you don't have an answer that that's fine, you know, that's fine too. Like, I'm not, I'm not expecting you to have like the answer for everything. I, I just, I just think the one thing that I want to, you know, put out there, not only for you, but for the folks too, is like, this is, this is, I can talk to like politicians, uh, you know, I mean, there are politicians I know that I can get on, on, you know, on here, and there are lots that I respect, there are some that I don't, but as far as, like, people who, who actually, like, work in, you know, in the government and whatnot, as you do, Luke, like, like, I don't want to say that, that you're, like, a peon because you're not, but, you know, you do behind-the-scenes work, and... We don't get to hear from those people very much. Usually, you sure. know, when when people like me in the media do things, it's from politicians who want to come on shows to, you know, to try and basically pitch their ideology or pitch a book or, you know, 
a bill or what it, what have you. Um, you know, it, it's it's very rare that anyone in the media is actually able to have like a genuine conversation with someone about the way the government works or the way the sausage is made. So yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the benefit of your format, the way you format your show and, you know, in long form discussions and converse, you know, in long form conversations is a really just a valuable thing. And yeah, like listeners, if they want to hear all the way through, are going to have to have a little more stamina and hopefully we're somewhat stimulating. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, you know, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that, I mean, look, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate being I mean, able to come on here and, and share with you, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, aside from politics, I mean, so you and I, you know, we both grew up in Denver. I've mm-hmm. talked a lot about, I've talked a little bit about on my show about, you know, growing, growing up in Denver myself and we have similar, you know, shared experiences. Like, I was asked on a podcast I guested on last year, like, you know, why move from Colorado to Florida? You know, what what made me decide to, you know, shift? And part for me was the weather, part of it for me was family, part of it was just the desire to have, like, a new experience, you know, quite, quite frankly. But, I mean, I... I guess I'll ask you the same question, like, what, I guess, what made you decide ultimately to move from Denver to D.C.? I know there was a job offer there somewhat, but, uh, I mean, you know, what was, what was moving, you know, from Denver to D.C. like, and, you know, what, I guess, what is the culture there? Um, you know, is there, like, a big change, or? Um, well, you know, Denver is is in a certain sense very similar to dc and um in that there's a lot of young people you know a lot of outdoorsy folk you know um, a lot of open you know it's almost like a beach town in in the summertime um you know people playing frisbee in at the mall um like H Street, U Street, there's always bars and patios, and Navy Yard is a great place to go. There's always something happening down there, a Nats game, you know, maybe there's a Caps game, um, you know, a hockey game, something like that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, when I first got here, it was it felt like a cold city, like a very transactional city, because I was an intern trying to find a job, you know, like, cutting my teeth and figuring out what's what and you know i was an intern for you know only two months but um you know once i i mean i live on capitol hill in a townhouse i'm you know a block away from the jefferson library of congress i'm two blocks from the supreme court i'm four blocks from my house office building you know i walk to work every day like the metro system is great um even Alexandria across the Potomac is a really fun place to go. Old Town Alexandria is awesome. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, old cobblestone streets, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's a very, very strong Catholic community here. 
We have the Catholic University of America here. We have the Basilica Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. A lot of young intellectual Catholics um, and Christians as a whole. There's a lot of churches in this city. Um, and frankly, they're pretty full on a Sunday. You know, there's a lot of um, activities, you know, youth groups, Bible studies, volunteer opportunities, you know, the whole gamut. It's really, once you become a resident, there is really, there are very healthy, positive ways to contribute to your community and to society and great stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm always curious since DC is, you know, I mean, it's the capital of the United States, right? Mm -hmm. It is, you know, it is like the political center of the country. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would, would you say are people more political in DC than elsewhere, or well, you, you have to be careful. Average? You have to be careful. You know, I mean, I think like like this would be a great city to be a journalist in. You know, because you know where all the staff hang out, and they go to particular bars in the city after work, and if you just sat there with your notepad and just listened, you would get a story. No problem. Guaranteed. And people do that. You know, so the political circle, which is the the House and Senate staffers and of course the, the delegates, the, the you know, the members of Congress. <clears throat> the members of Congress, the staffers, um, the journalists and the K Street lobbyists, who are almost like in the inner circle, you know, I mean, those right. guys, if you've been here a long time, they have the scoop. I mean, they are teaching congressmen stuff, you know, which is reasonable. I mean, they've been here a long time. They know the policy very well, um, but they are self-interested for their clients. And you have to take that with a grain of salt, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, your question was, is it a very political city? Yes, it is a very political city. There's a lot of people here working in government who are not political. They're working in the DOD. They're working where they shouldn't be political. They're working in the DOD. They're, you know, Homeland Security, you know, whatever, Department of Transportation, a lot of bureaucrats in this city. But the actual political core of the city is not a very big community, you know. We're talking maybe, maybe 15,000 Hill staffers, you know, and that's including district staff, you know, so maybe there's 10,000 or 12,000 in the city of DC that are, you know, maybe more, maybe, maybe a couple thousand more than that. I'm not totally sure, but yeah. I might be, I mean, you kind of alluded to this earlier in the conversation with like with the one staff like pouring a beer over your head, but mm -hmm. uh, I mean, how tribal is is politics? Because like that's that's the one thing I always hear like complaints about. It's like, oh well, politics is like so divisive and tribal. Um, you know that that's one thing you hear a lot just in general these days. Yeah. Do you find that that's the case, or do yes. you find that like yeah. for the most part that yes. people actually. I mean, so, you know, I came from state politics and state politics are, you know, I mean, it's hard to be, you know, someone with traditional convictions 
you're kind of boxed out of politics in Colorado because you can't really right. make a move, you know, unless we'll see how 24 goes and, and, uh, and this year. Um, but, um, do you, uh, so, so well, no, can... let me just think about this for a second here. Um, sure, if, sure. What was the question again? I'm sorry. I, I totally blanked. Are politics like... Oh, are they tribal? Okay, so... Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, emphatically. Yes, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, this is my disclaimer, like 60 to 80% of every piece of legislation that comes through the House is not political. You know, it's like we're going to rename a post office or we're going to give a gold star medal or, you know, we're going to, you know, make sure this office in the government is funded, you know, like CISA, the cybersecurity on the civilian side, and they do work with the DOD. They're under the Homeland Security umbrella, you know, make sure that they have their proper funding like that. There's usually no debate. I mean, there is sometimes, but most of the stuff has passed, you know, pretty like, let's go send it to the Senate, get the amendments back, get it to the president's desk and let's move on. You know, um, there is, yeah, when it comes down to bills that you know are not going to pass and you're just writing them to have a media point, you know, like, yeah, it's going to be totally tribal. You know, it's going to be totally something that's not, that's important, but will never get passed, you know. But like, but like, even, I guess, I mean, that's definitely insightful. But the one thing that I've always heard, I, I'm asking a question, but I, I guess I'm kind of going to, so the one thing I've always heard about politics is it's like pro wrestling, where like on the hill, you'll get like a lot of people who, like on the hill, will be like, "Fuck you, you're you know you're a Democrat," or "Fuck you, you're a Republican," and they'll be like, they'll be at each other's throats on the hill, right? When you know the C-SPAN cameras are rolling, but like afterwards, they all like go out and grab beers together when no one is. Oh, yeah, I mean, there there used to be a lot more of the collegiality of grabbing beers together and that kind of thing. And, and you know, there was a time when politics was less rhetorical and vitriolic than it is now, you know. And part of that was due to the collegiality that they had, um, that the, you know, members of Congress had. So, yeah, like if you're working on a bipartisan bill, if you're working on a piece of legislation that you want to get passed, you are going to, as a staffer, reach out to another office. Maybe it's a Democrat. Maybe you need a Democrat on there to get it credence on the House floor. You're going to be totally cordial. Totally, the staff are, we are, I mean, we're, yeah, kind of tribal every now and then. But, you know, for the most part, it's like, we want to be friendly and professional with everybody up there because you might need, you know, some Democrat on energy and commerce to sponsor an amendment on your bill or, or approve the amendment on your bill or 
be a co-signer on a piece of legislation in order to get a good, solid piece of law made, you know? So for the most part, the staff are very, very professional. We don't want to burn any bridges. That's not our place. That's not our place. You know, our place is to be the instrument of the congressman who is the instrument of the constituency. You know, I hope that's a reasonable answer. Sure. What do you What do you think is What do you think is responsible for? I guess the like the lack of collegiality these days. Well, that's a. I, it's a very multifaceted. You know, I mean, you could say when Newt Gingrich was Speaker of the House, you know, he changed the House calendar to allow for more time in the district and spaced out the weeks that the Congress, the members would be in D.C. legislating. So you have two weeks on and a week or two off and whatever doing district work, you know, and people don't want to buy houses here anymore. So they're not, you know, living with other members. They're not having the time. They fly in on a Monday and fly out on a Thursday. And then the next week they fly in on, you know, Monday night or Tuesday, they do their media hits, they do their committee hearings, and then they fly out on Thursday. I mean, there's, and yeah, there's little soirees and receptions in between where they might meet people. But I think, you know, there has been a cloistering, you know, of the members. You know, there's less collegiality because of the calendar, because of social media. Um, you know, there's a number of things because of the issues that we're dealing with today, because of the culture war in society. You know, there are all kinds of reasons that there's less of that going on, you know. So, so in other words, what you're saying is it's multifaceted. Though. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think there's one Be thing, but it's a confluence of, of certain things that, you know, yeah. Because so often these days, like, you either have the Republicans saying that, like, that Barack Obama was responsible for the divisiveness, or you have the Democrats saying that Trump is responsible for the divisiveness. You know, we, we've, you know, the one thing you hear is, well, politics was never d this divisive until X, Y, Z, mm. you know, until X, you know, until, you know, name your person entered into politics. And, I, and I'm kind of like, well, I think we have to reframe. It, it, yeah, it's you a know, bit more we have to look at that. the broader arc of history. You know, I mean, there have been times when there was, you know, relatively like. People were pretty satisfied with the government. Things were going fine. You know, we're, we're cruising right along. I mean, yeah, maybe it was 12 years or whatever. I can't remember what that time was, but there was a time in history where that was like the age of... I, 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 mean, don't, know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like... And this is, look, this is looking at it from like a historical perspective, but I, I feel like... I feel like looking back, like the fifty, the nineteen fifties, kind of seemed like an era where, like, we had just won, you know, World War Two. 
everything was kind of hunky-dory. You know, we had the, you know, like, Amer- we had, like, Americans moving into, into the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the Cold War existed, but, like, it wasn't really, like, at its height until, like, the 60s, you know, through the 80s or something like that. Um, you know, and I'm sure things weren't perfect in the in the 50s either, um, because nothing ever is. No, no, I mean, we were dealing with, the Cold War with nuclear proliferation with, you know, Russia, you know, building up a massing military force in Eastern Europe. I mean, you know, which in a sense we're, you know, dealing with today, of course, but. Well, I mean, I guess from my perspective, it just seems like the more, I mean, I, I guess things have always kind of been chaotic. Just the fact that we have more access to information now means that we also have, like, more access to, like, real-time events and whatnot. So, therefore, like, we're getting more of, like, a study of information, and and unfortunately, a lot of what we get is, you know, information about, like, bad news and whatnot. So, so. you know, I, I think it's a really interesting question, and, hmm, there is something to be said about the a certain strain of politics that we're dealing with today that we haven't really had to deal with since like the civil war right which is a foundational disagreement among people about the cultural traditions that make up the dna of this country you know there is a there is a fundamental um, rebellion against Western culture. Oh yeah, in the United States and in Europe, and we have not. You know, in our lifetime, we've dealt with this. Our parents have dealt with this. Our grandparents are dealing with this contemporaneously. You know, concomitantly with us, but in their heyday. It was, there wasn't a, really a question. I mean, you know, abortion wasn't really talked about, you know, necessarily. I mean, we had, you know, feminism, first wave feminism, second wave, and, you know, we, we are experiencing second wave and kind of third wave now, but like... Third and, and fourth wave. Right, yeah, of- and then whatever the heck, you know, to work in or whatever is, you know... Catherine McKinnon, whatever they're on, I don't even know, you know, but like we are, I think they're for the first time in American history outside of the, the civil war. And, and you know what, I'm not the greatest student of history. I'm, I'm sitting in an armchair, you know what I'm saying? Like, so please somebody who has a deeper, you know, knowledge of history, reprove me, you know, I'm, I, I want to learn. I'm a student, you know, um, but I do believe that there is, in this time, in history, a strength in the counterculture that is so strong um, that the status quo, the conservative status quo that maintains the traditions and values and political institutions of the West is actually being challenged ontologically challenged like we are dealing with an ontological challenge to 
Western societies, to the continuity of Western society. And it started oh, yeah. in the 60s, and we didn't think it was a major thing, you know, but the heirs of Russia, this um, anti-religious, anti-Christian, um, you know, sentiment is is no longer a sentiment. That's the problem is it's actually embedded itself in institutions. It's become institutionalized in our public schools, in our, in our Fortune 500, you know, companies. Um, it is something that is radically, radically challenging the status quo of this country. And you can look at any revolution throughout history. The first revolution in Russia in 1917 or somewhere thereabouts, I'm not totally accurate on the date, the red and white revolution was not successful because they had a great leader, a leader who was very, very much, you know, using rhetoric and whipping up the crowds and getting, you know, the masses behind him. They had funding, they had arms, they had what they needed to be a successful revolution. What they did not have was a lackadaisical conservative element. Conservative in the traditional sense of conserving the status right. quo, the government, the institutions of the czar, you know, the conservatives in the first revolution in Russia were very strong. They were not going to be shaken. The status quo was going to be maintained. But the first world war and then the onset of the second world war totally diminished the power of the conservatives. Liberal elites came in who agreed, who infiltrated the, the wealth, the pockets of wealth and the pockets of institutional power and were able to bring down the status quo. And that's what happened in Russia. And I think, you know, we are, you know, I'm not an Armageddonist or whatever the word is. Right. You know, I, I'm not there, but I do believe we are being faced with one of the most intense challenges of the Western world. And that has nothing to do with Anglo-Saxons or, or um, you know, whatever race you are. It has nothing to do with that. And to frame it in that way is to give in to their um, nomenclature. To, to frame it that way is to give in to their nomenclature. And that's the problem with, you know, this the Proud Boys or these elements of the right that are bringing it down to a racial, you know, white Anglo-Saxon, you know, right. Western history. It's not just that, you know, the largest democracy on earth is not white Anglo-Saxon. It's India, you know? Well, I mean, so... I mean, and I, I would I include think... India in the Anglosphere, quite frankly. You know, yeah. I mean, I honestly would, 
their cultural, their culture, their traditions are all bending in that way. We have some problems with Hindu nationalism, whatever. And granted, everybody, every society's got their their things. But I mean, I would incorporate them in the Anglosphere for sure. Well, I mean, so which is beyond beyond Anglo-Saxon, beyond race, beyond Caucasian or whatever, you know, I'm not framing it in that way at all. So I, I made this point uh, on uh, Saturday's show. Um, again, this episode, you, you, you know, people are, people are hearing this on Tuesday. So on Saturday's show, I talked uh, um, a bit with... Um, Jack Pierce about people like, uh, you know, Nick, Nick Fuentes, you know, who claims to be America first and the leader of, you know, the Gripers, which I still don't know what that means. I know, I know you and I talked a bit off air about that, yeah. but it's yeah. just, what's interesting to me is like, I understand because right, the, the thing about like a lot of people on my side, I would consider myself uh, you know, kind of like conservative slash libertarian, you know, ish, kind of. That's kind of where I've targeted my show, right? The the right, so to speak, always likes to talk about the left wing SJWs, you know, that are trying to overthrow, uh, you know, Western culture and whatnot, like you, like you've, you know, described. Uh, you know, the cultural Marxists and whatnot. Those people are dangerous, right? In my opinion. And I, you know, I, and I think you would agree. Yeah, yeah. Equally, e equally dangerous, though, are kind of these radical, I, you know, I don't even, even want to call, like, the Gripers or the Proud Boys, you know, really cons really like and the thing about the proud boys too is like when the proud boys started it was just a fraternal men's order it didn't start out as like a radical uh group necessarily it was just like a men's organization but then it like it shifted into this weird like ethno national um thing because like there there was no central leadership so i mean i think we've gotten to the point where like both factions are we're in a world where like i think you have really radical you know left-wing fractions you have really radical right-wing fractions that aren't very big right they're not very big in size but they scream and they holler a lot. So that's Which I mean I, I think we're waiting on that pendulum to swing back. You know, I, I think we've been in a very, very divisive time. I mean there's no doubt about that. I don't care if it's Obama, I don't care if it's Trump, whatever the case may be the society has been very divisive and you're right those people have been very loud forces you know that have kind of taken control of the narrative if you will but i think so, on the whole, americans are fairly conservative i think on the whole and 
moderate, honestly, you know? I mean, I know lots of, I mean, and I'm not even being hyper hyperbolic here. Like my, my opinion, like politically is that like, you should be able to own, you know, you should be able to like own guns, like grow weed and like, I, I forgot what the saying is, but like, I want my gay neighbor to be able to like get married to his boyfriend and have like a fully automatic, you know, rifle and grow pot and, you know, in their backyard. Like that's kind of my, you know, and, and that's kind of like a libertarian utopia idea, but like, honestly, like that, you know, that is something that I kind of like politically, like just do your own thing as long as you're not like harming anyone and doing any harm, like just have at it. Right. But then like, you know, I know that's not like, you know, we don't live in that world. Right. We're like, and I, just... I mean, I would, I would definitely challenge you on that for sure. Um, you know, I'm someone who believes that the family is the basic unit of society, of all societies. Oh, I, I, oh, I do know? too, personally speaking. I just mean, as far as politics goes, like politically speaking, I don't, you know, I just kind of want the government to leave people alone. Now, if we want to get into morality, you know, and, and into spirituality, I think that's up to us as individuals to kind of, you know, take that approach. But I don't, the government is, the government is terrible at doing things, you know, in, in general that I think the bureaucracy, um, you know, so I think it's up to us as like individuals to do more if that makes sense. So, I mean, yes, like I am a free market capitalist and I got you there, but I do think that the government has, and let me say it this way, the government is, you know, for the people, by the people. And if we have people in government who are legislating um, to allow for the breakdown of the family, the basic unit of society, then we need to meet them where they're at and face them in the government. Um, or else they will have the law on their side. Right. So that's the challenge we're dealing with is if I, if our if our conservatives, you know, our Republicans in this country were people who, you know, believed what you just believed, we would have already lost the culture war. If they compartmentalized like you compartmentalized, we would have already lost the culture war. If we did not go into the classrooms and challenge what teachers are teaching kids about sexuality and about religion, we would lose the culture war. But we are meeting them right there. And we're saying, no, you cannot teach a five-year-old that they can be a boy or a girl 
and confuse right. them. You cannot do that in this country. You know, so we are not only defending, you know, lower taxes and lower regulation on small businesses, which is great and we need to do that. But we are now defending the minds of our youth and protecting them from literal Marxist insanity. And and I don't use the word Marxist lightly, but we're talking about atheistic uh, atheism, you know, atheistic Marxism being taught in our schools. Like, yeah, there's right. a time and a place for that. But when you're five years old, no, no, we right. need to set our children up with a foundation that says the Constitution is a great thing. This yeah. is a and union formed under God, period. This is a union formed under a higher power. And we are a society two, with a social contract, and this government is a representative government, so on and so forth, you know. And to be clear, and to be clear I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I don't mean to get, I'm sorry for getting riled up, but I mean, I just think we have to, this battle is being fought in the trenches, and those trenches are the classrooms, literally. Well, it's not only in the classrooms, it's in Hollywood too, it's, you know, it's in it. Yo, buddy, have you been on Netflix lately? By Jove, that's some crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, no, no, and listen, I, I agree with you that we should that we should that we should completely fight. I mean, I I agree with you one hundred percent. My my whole thing is right is that there's a way to do it, right? There there's a way to do it tactfully, and there are people who there are people like you who want to you know discuss things and like have like an actual debate and discussion with people. There are other people, you know. Like, you know, the Gripers, for example, who just want to say the most edgy things possible. And like, you know, and like the January 6th protesters. I mean, you know, I don't know if we want to get into January 6th. I know that's kind of a touchy topic. but We can get into January 6th, but let me just say this really quick. I I appreciate dialogue and, and conversation and debate. But I am not in government just for that. I'm in government to make the law. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I'm a cog in the wheel right now. I'm, I work for right. one congressman in a certain set of policy areas. But we're here to to take society, you know, and to make sure that our institutions, our traditions are maintained. You know, we're not here for just discussion. We are boots on the ground making law. You know, that's it. I I and agree. Yeah, I discussion agree. is part of that, and meeting with stakeholders is part of that. You know, totally. But like, well, no, I I agree. I agree completely. Um, but like, okay, so I guess segueing into January six, like, there are people who agree with you. That that is exact, you know, that we need change, and those people, some of those people, think that like basically storming the Capitol is the way to that change. That causing an an insurrection is the way to make that change. Now, you and I have talked 
you know, off air kind of about, uh, you know, and, and also you were like, you had just moved to DC when, or like shortly thereafter, after January 6th happens. So what was that aftermath like? I mean, was it, was it anything that like affected you working at the Capitol or like what was, what was that like? Right. Yeah. The transfer of, yeah. And I,
Yeah, no, I I had well, it's interesting because I had written like I had written a column. No, no, go ahead. Well, um, I had written back in 2015, before Trump was even the nominee, I, I had written that, like, I think Trump's pop, you know, Trump's popularity was kind of like a polar reaction to Obama. You know, like, Obama had just gone, Obama had gone so far to the left in his tenure and in my book, Trump was never really that right wing. I, I still don't think he really is that that right wing. But I think kind of the reaction to Trump, quote unquote, being right wing was kind of like a reaction like, okay, so the pendulum swung so far to the left, therefore it has to go to the right and hopefully it will even out. Um, I'm curious what... What was, uh, I mean, brief, I guess briefly, like, what did you think of Trump's presidency? Like, aside from, like, Trump being, like, you know, loudmouth and, you know, Trump being, like, having his personality. I mean, you can talk about those, too, but, like, I, I, I guess, like, what did you think of Trump, like, as president and, like, yeah, just overall, that's part one.
I mean, I mean, I mean, now, I mean, I guess nowadays it is, but, Yeah. <laughs> but Trump, but Trump is also Trump, and yeah, so I which which let. Yeah. The, I mean the sh the shit post turned me really loved his you know just how he would how how he would just piss off the mainstream media, um you know and just like give him give him hell um I you know I certainly think it was I certainly yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think, I think the fact that they, you know, that they mostly went after his personal life, uh, you know, I think that was I think that was pretty hilarious. That like they kind of had. Well, I mean, to be fair, he he didn't really have any policy to go after like prior to becoming president, right? But like, I mean, I I don't know, none of. I just think that Trump was, like, such, like, a, a game-changer in terms of, like, politics in general that, like, no one really knew what to do. Um, you know, so, like, and I, believe me, I was skeptical of Trump uh, at the beginning, but, like, the more the, the campaign progressed, like, I saw why people liked him. Um, you know, because he, he is a businessman, and, yeah, he might have failed a couple times, but, I, I mean... I was pleasantly surprised that he succeeded in a lot of areas, too. Um, that we didn't go into, you know, massive foreign wars. You know, that the economy got on track. Uh, you know, and credit where credit is due, he, you know, he did, he did handle COVID. I mean, COVID was just such a shit show. 
in general that I think it was impossible for anyone to handle that well. But I think he did a, mm, a decent job in his final year. Um, but I guess, where do you think, what do you think of the future of the Republican Party? Like, do you think Trump should run again? Like, what do you, who do you, what do you see as the, as the future, especially like being on the ground? Uh, because I'm, I'm just a guy here in Florida sitting in an armchair. You're like in, you're in the nation's capital, baby. What what would you, what would you like to see? I I guess like if if the RNC reached out to you and said, okay, Luke Nicholas, you're you're a smart guy, you're you're a young guy, like tell us what we need to do to. I mean, and, and if you can't comment for reasons, I I understand that you know too. I. I I, I, I have, I have to be honest, Luke, I, I appreciate your answer that you don't know, you know, that you're, that you are kind of uncertain about the future because so many people that I, you know, meet, a lot of whom you and I both agree with are either like, 
well, Trump's got to be the nominee in 2024, or DeSantis has to be the, the nominee in in 2024. Um, part of me would really like to see Trump in office, you know, in 2024 again, um, partially as partially as a big fu to to uh, to Biden, and also because you know I think he still had some good policy, but. You know, at the same time, you know, I think I think the Republican Party needs to look past, you know, Trump. I think the Make America Great Again movement can still exist, but it needs to go beyond Trump. Um, as far as DeSantis go, well, that that. Yeah, people. I. I honestly think people think I'm an asshole when I say that Biden has dementia. I'm not being an asshole when I when I say that. I I I legitimately think he has you know some cognitive issues. Um. Yeah, I mean, he's in, he's in his late he's in his late 70s, I know that. Um Still though, I mean, and to be Well, and to be honest, like honestly, I don't even think he wanted I mean, and to be to be clear, like I I don't want to get you in, a, in in any hot water, but like part of the reason why people think the election is rigged, why a lot of my audience thinks the election was was rigged, was because there was no energy behind um, Biden. It, it was all we got to get Trump out of office. Um, with Hillary, at least there was some energy behind the base, although. On the flip side, I honestly, if Hillary does, if Hillary doesn't run in 2016, like if that had never happened, I don't think Trump would have even gotten close to where he did in the primaries. Certainly not president. I I I honestly think this was kind of my, this was kind of like the mindset I had and a lot of people had was, oh, okay, you're you're going to nominate Hillary Clinton, who's just, you know, greedy and has always been on politics. 
well, if you're going to play that game, then, you know, well, then, you know, screw you guys. We'll just, uh, we'll just nominate Trump and see where this shit show goes. And I think that was kind of what happened in 2016. I think 2024 is going to be a, a way different. Um, I, I think it's either going to be it's either going to be Hillary, I mean, it's either going to be Biden or Kamala, or I think it's going to be, to be someone who we haven't even considered yet. And then, same with the Republicans. I think it's going to be way different in the future, so. Her, 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 yeah, her approval rating is, is lower than Biden's. And the, and the weird thing is, is she doesn't even like Biden that much. I mean, you know, she called Biden like a predator. Um, do yeah, during the during the primary, so. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, do I need like are you go down? Are you still? Okay. Yeah. No. That that's fine. Mm. Well, <laughs> the I'm, I'm really, I'm really hoping, I mean, party, party is like, yes, let DeSantis run. Party two is like, part of me is like, let DeSantis run in 2028 because I'm a selfish, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm selfish, but like when it comes to Florida, I am a selfish son of a bitch. I, he's been the best governor of my lifetime in any, in any state we've had, and As pre well, I want him to be able. I want him to be able to finish like a full term, his second full term of, of governor. No, uh, I, I think it's a. I think it's a woman. If I if I'm not, 
Let's take it. Uh, um, yeah, pa- it's not Pam Bondi. She was, she was the AG of Florida. Good-looking woman, by the way. But uh, but no, um, yeah, no. I, in regards to Kamala, like, I'm not even saying this be like mean or hyper or hyperbolic. The only thing I see the Democrats running her on. And this kind of, it almost seems like this will be the eventual, like, thing for the Democrats, because this is where they go, is, oh, she's a black woman. So, it's, it's... I don't... Yeah. Well, I don't even think that the demo... Well, what well, what has Biden done? I mean, that, you know, I mean, it, people say that, people say that, like, the, the marketing is right, that Biden is, like, Obama 2.0. But a lot of Democrats are kind of, like, even some Democrats I know are, like, uh, yeah, Joe Biden, like, like, oh, Well, it's yeah. Disast- disastrously too, I might add. No, no, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, even even things like Afghanistan, like, that was, yeah. Even Afghanistan, though, like, that was, that was like a debacle, and even the Democrats were like, were like, yeah, no, that was bad. Like, m- you know, maybe, maybe we should have had Trump for that. So, like, right? Yeah. Did Did you hear the? Uh, did you hear the? clip of Trevor Noah basically, like, kind of mocking, uh, well, not mocking Biden, but, like, satirizing him and saying, you know, I, I bet there are times where I wish, he said, I bet there are times where Biden wishes that Trump was in the room, or something, for, like, you know, dealing with, like, foreign powers and, you know, military. Yeah. 
I I'm I'm not even I'm not even sure if Biden is aware of what room he's in half half the time. Uh you know, and and I mean, and I'm not, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not even joking with, with that. I mean, Biden's, you know, cognitive um, things are, you know, very questionable to say the least. Um, so, I don't know, man. I mean, I think politics is never boring. That's for sure. Yeah. One. Oh. Yeah. What? Let me ask you this. Um. Do you have like political aspirations to like run for office or? But but you're not going to be president like Luke Jackson, Nick. You don't have that aspiration at this point. That would be a really cool presidential name, though. Luke Jackson, Nicholas. Um, so, um... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to like blow smoke up your ass, but I mean, you, you have really, you have, you have, you have really good, you have really good political insights. I mean, I mean, I think I have some good ones too, but like, you're not, you're not a snob. Um, you know, you're accessible, but you know, you know, you know your things. Um, which is why I wanted to have you on. Um, so, I guess kind of on the lighter, uh, you know, side of things, like, what has been your favorite thing about, like, living in D.C., though, so far? Sure, sure.
Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, w yeah, what what are what are drink prices there? Uh... Oh, I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that whole thing became a meme, uh, you know. I'm not, but like, yeah. But yeah, no. Um, I mean, as far as as far as like drinks and whatnot go like what is are there any like haunts in dc that you like to go to or is that like classified information uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, which is kind of funny because you're living in a town where you have to spend money to kind of just like, you know, live. I mean, I don't want to say you're, you're dirt poor. I mean, you, you see, you don't seem, but I mean, I, I bet, I bet some of your, uh, I bet some of your like bills and whatnot are kind of like yeesh. So too, but. Um, what is, I will also reveal to the audience that you are both my, I mean, I've made reference to this before. I have a coffee guy, uh, surprise, Luke is that coffee guy. And you're also my, you're also my whiskey guy. So what is your favorite, like, type of coffee? Uh, and like, what is Do you have a, do you have like a coffee maker at home or like a, or are, are you like what? Okay. So, so you're not like, you're not like one of those, you're not like one of those Keurig snobs that, then, um, okay.
Yeah, you're... <laughs> I, I, I could drink it, but I also might, you know, it might, like, I might, you know, I might be defecating my intestines that way, because it's the... Um, but... Well, I mean, office coffee can clean you out, so, um, but, yeah, and also, so, like, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to get into whiskey, but it seems like since you've been into politics, like, you, you've gotten more into whiskey and, and whatnot, so, um, Right. Neither do I. Please, please tell them to to go to the Guinness storehouse in Ireland if they're in if the if they're not already planning on it. Um, and I mean, I mean, I haven't been to Ireland. My my old man uh, has been to. No, no, no. I I wish. Uh, I. I mean, I, I, I would, I would love to do like a travel vlog type thing. Do, do, oh yeah, do, do, do tell, yeah. Yep, yep, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you what was fun just to kind of go go down memory lane. Like, uh, I believe it was senior year. Like, we, the, you know, they took us senior year of high school. Like, we went to like a Rockies game or like a, a few, you know. Uh, or, or was that, did, did we do anything for, oh, okay. That, yeah, that's going back. That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, that was fun. I I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember what 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 our thing, uh, our senior year, year of high school was. I mean, I know that. I know that some people like supposedly like at our high school like they they ransacked that clock tower or something, um, which. Mm. 
which I, I, I may or may not have known people who were in on. Yeah. I, I, my, my, my idea of a senior prank, this is just how nerdy I was, my idea of, like, a senior prank was ripping off posters, uh, of, of the Young Democrats, uh, club in, in high school, me and, uh, well, one of the one of the, uh, we, we, we did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not that that really stopped us from meeting, you know, like unofficially, but, you know. Um, I remember, and I mean, I've told this, I, I, I remember I, I told this story. So I was, I was like one of the editors of the, uh, of the school newspaper senior year. I remember we had this, I remember we had like Annie's the International Day, uh, like senior year, and I remember like we had this one like Uber like she wasn't even, like a a second wave feminist she was like a third wave feminist. Um, I basically left. Uh, one of the security guards like tried to like basically keep me in, and I I, ba I basically said like I'll I will. I will cause a scene if you don't let me, um, and, and he would, and he would, oh, you, oh, you, you, you have heard of my, uh, you heard of me playing hooky while still being in school? Um, so, yeah, so she was, so this, uh, so we had, we had this, Shake like later in the afternoon, like four hours international, and she was talking like how all I, I remember this very clearly. Like she she began her whole thing of like every single uh, senior guy in this in this auditorium is a potential rapist, right? That was like that was her starting line, and I was like. And I and I was and I was like so close to being like just being like Lady, what you know, what the fuck? You know, I, I was gonna I was gonna like shut something out by I didn't so she continued on and I'm like, okay, well rather than cause a scene, I, I'm just gonna leave. So then I started to leave and jo and John, uh the security guard who you know, I, I I'm sure that you, that you, I mean, we, we all had run-ins with him on occasion at being, you know, students. Uh, he tried to keep it clean and I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, I just, I want to, I want out of here. This, this guy, and he's like, well, I can't let you leave because you're supposed to fill out, like, 
this thing, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fill out the thing, like, oh, yeah. So, and he, and he was like, and he was like, don't, don't tell anyone I let you out. He was like, but between you and I, like, yeah, I agree with you. This is a bunch of bullshit. So, so basically, like, I just bit. So basically, I just bar, I just barricaded, I just barricade. I went back to the, to the student newspaper office and just like, barricaded myself in there. I I had just gotten an iPad, so I just like streamed Netflix for the entire. <laughs> I mean, I Netflix. I think started streaming in like twenty thirteen, right? That that was. I I wish they still had DVD delivery. Um well and then I remember I and then I remember Patrick McGuire came in and was like, "Hey, hey, where what have you been doing?" And I'm like, "Uh, eh, you know, I've just been hanging out here." So, yeah, I mean, our our group was just, you know, we we had we had fun in high high school, so. Um, but I mean, we've had even more fun since then. At least the times that you and I have gotten together. So, but um, well, anyway, man. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, anything that you know, any you know juicy information out there you have to share with the audience? Any you know. Well, thank you. Alright, uh, any, any time, man, um, you know, and I, I would ask you have any, if you have anything to promote, uh, I know, though, that, you know, you don't really at this point, other than, you know, just, I guess you could tell the audience to do their civic duty and, like, vote and whatnot, and, you know, um, other than that, though, I mean, Luke, you're welcome back any time, and, you know, if, if you, if you ever do decide to, like, start a podcast or, you know, do anything on your own, just let me know. I'd be happy to help you. And Alright. Alright, man. Well, I really appreciate, you know, you and uh, folks, you know, I really appreciate you for, uh, you know, tuning in and, uh, you know, I know we had a little bit of a audio hiccup there, kind of towards the beginning but hopefully that segment uh i think it's saved so that should be okay but uh anyway from all of us here at uh ngc studios god bless god save this great nation god free and legacy in that order 
uh, and we will see you on the next show. Thank you very much.